the gladiator mentality and people look at us like, oh, okay, really? Right, yeah, really. All right, let's do this. Diamond Envy Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler McComas. Diamond Envy, as always, brought to you by Cavens Group. Check them out, CavensGroup.com. Did, did somebody say game week? Somebody? Did, 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 did somebody say that OU softball, maybe you've heard of them, back-to-back-to-back to back, to back national champs, 53-game win streak. Somebody said that OU softball is returning this week, right? Yeah, as I'm recording here on a Monday afternoon, three days away, just three days away until the champs take the field. It seemed like an eternity of an offseason. I don't know why this offseason seemed uh, the longest in recent memory. I guess they always feel that way uh, once you get to just a few days before opening day. But here we are, OU Softball 2024 version. High expectations once again. Unanimous number one team to start the year. The most preseason All-Americans in the sport to start the season. The expectations are simple national championship or bust. And that's, you know, the pressure that this team has been used to for quite some time. But, man, 53 in a row. They're going to enter this season with that win streak. I, I mentioned three consecutive national championships, and it's just... Let's just take a moment here before we get to first pitch coming up on Thursday morning that, you know, this sport is as competitive as it's ever been. Maybe you don't have the West Coast dominance like you used to with UCLA and Arizona, but I mean, the the talent is spread more to the East Coast, to the Southeast, heck, even to the North with the Big Ten and certainly with what Oklahoma's doing. This sport has never been more difficult top to bottom Yet we're seeing the most dominant stretch in quite some time that we've seen in the sport with what Oklahoma's doing. So this is just a um, just another year to be really, really excited about. I cannot wait to get underway Thursday morning at 10.30 a.m. against Utah Valley in Puerto Vallarta. Um, but there's, there's a lot to get to today. I, I do want to start here because it was recent over the weekend, and I think it's relevant. It's Love's Field, which is scheduled to open on March 1st. I hope there's a game there on March 1st. There's been uh, rain recently, and you, and you see the photos, and it's like, okay, we're we're already in the month of February here. They may, maybe have to hustle a little bit to get to March 1st, but they'll play in there sometime this year, if not March, March 1st. Let's hope that they get there. Uh, but the Oklahoma-shaped scoreboard is really what I want to bring up. How cool is that? Was that is that not awesome? A- am I the only one who thinks the Oklahoma-shaped scoreboard is a really cool feature of Love's Field? I I, I don't think that I am. I, I think that most of you would agree that that is – I don't know if it's your favorite part of the new park. It's way too early to have that take because you haven't been inside of it yet. But I, I do wonder if it's going to end up being maybe the most recognizable part – of the park, you know, as we look forward to it here. And, you know, as cool as that Oklahoma-shaped scoreboard looks, I had the thought, like, well, who's going to be the first one to hit it off the scoreboard? I I know what's probably going to happen in the first few games they play there. Is it going to be Jada? Is it going to be Kinsey Hansen, Tiare? There's a lot of candidates there. Who's going to be the first one to, uh, to hit off the scoreboard? And I hope that there's three digits available on the Oklahoma side of the scoreboard. Just the way that they produce offensively, I guess you never know. I guess you never know if you might need three digits for the Oklahoma side of the scoreboard 
for uh, how much they just hammer the softball game in and game out. But no, nah, Love's Field looks really cool. It's going to be awesome when it's done. Sounds like it's still going to be a work in progress over the next few months, but let's hope indeed uh, when March 1st comes around that uh, that place will be sold out, packed, and everyone will be excited 5 p.m., excuse me, 2 p.m. when OU is scheduled to host Miami of Ohio for that OU tournament. But that, again, the Oklahoma-shaped scoreboard, a really, really nice touch, and so far, my favorite um, my favorite part of the park. Um, this is also relevant from over the weekend, uh, late last week as well, and I, I just think that it's it's a little bit funny to me that we are in the stage of Patty Gasso's career where okay, we've been recognizing and appreciating the greatness for quite some time now, but you've seen this with other head coaches recently. You've seen it with Nick Saban, and he finally actually did retire. You, you saw it with, with Coach K. I'm, I'm sure you're hearing it with Gino Ariema there at UConn, but we're, the, we're at the point of Patty's career where the question that people want to ask the most is, well, how much longer you got? How much longer do you want to do this, Patty? How much longer do you want to continue winning national championships and being the big thing going on in a sport? You know what I mean? Like, like certain legendary coaches get to a point, and it's like all anyone ever wants to ask of them or talk about with them is how many more years that they're going to coach. And you're hearing her, you're hearing her being asked that question a lot this offseason. I'll play a clip here momentarily on her most recent answer for it, but like I, I'm honestly just kind of sitting back and still watching and appreciating and enjoying the greatness that is the GOAT, Patty Gasso. And look, we had a conversation about it the, the last episode for sure because JT Gasso got elevated, but I'm just not going to sit here all year long, good, bad, indifferent, whatever happens, and just talk about if this is Patty's last year or how long it's going to be until she retires. Whenever that is, that's fine. That's her call. I'm going to sit here and enjoy uh, the greatness for now. But here's Patty's uh, recent quote uh, on retirement, what she's thinking, all that. From friend of the show, Tara Henry. Do you think you have left? Do you know? Do you have a plan? Um, when is When do you think you'll know? Do you think there's going to be something that clicks or um... – thought about it yes kind (laughs) of but I do know if you think about it too much then it affects your job so I don't because I really do love what I'm doing and I love who I'm doing it with and I'm doing it with you know great coaches and former athletes and my son and so it's just been wonderful and I feel like I'm a smarter coach and I feel like I've got good energy and I feel like I'm in tune with what's going on. Um, I think I'm the best version of the coach that I've ever been now because I've learned a lot. And look, I'll just repeat what I said last episode. I don't think this is her last year. I don't have any inside information to that. I haven't talked to people that say, hey, there's a chance this might be her last year. This is all in a hunch. My hunch is, is that Patty Gasso likes a challenge. Patty really likes a challenge, and the SEC will be a challenge. I'm sure Patty is as excited as I am about Love's Field, but Patty's way more excited about Love's Field. So my guess would be, is she at OU in 10 years? No, probably not. But is she going to be at OU throughout the first couple of years in the SEC and Love's Field? Yeah, that's my guess. If I had to guess, that would be my guess, is that she wants to see 
the challenge of the SEC, the new ballpark, this new era of OU softball, because that's kind of what it feels like, honestly. It's not as big of a deal in softball as it is football in terms of the SEC move, but you're changing conferences, and this is essentially a forever move. So if you want to say that this is a new chapter of OU softball with a new stadium and a new conference underway, I mean, it's the closest thing that you've had in quite some time to being called a new era of the sport. And I think in the new era of this program that Patty wants to guide it at least a few years. So again, like, do I think she's here in 10 years? No. But whenever that is, whenever that decision is, I could be totally wrong. It's at the end of this year. Maybe I'm Wrong that she's not here in 10 years. Like, I, what, I, I'm going to sit back, enjoy the ride, and just trust that it's going to be fun from here on out because I, I think it's going to, and I definitely, absolutely think that that's going, to be, uh, that's going to be the case this year. But come on, it's game week, so let's talk about the games, right? And we'll have another episode coming out later this week. But I do just want to take a peek on what's going on in Mexico, Flow Softball will have all these games. I'm sure that you're aware. But Utah Valley will be the season opener on Thursday morning at 10.30 a.m. Uh, you've got Duke on Monday, or excuse me, Thursday afternoon right after at 1 p.m. That's a top 10 Duke team. And then a top 10 Washington team coming up on a Friday night at 8.30. That's probably the highlight of the weekend. Duke Duke's really good. Washington still has more of that name presence, though Duke is Really made strides as a program over the past five years. And then you'll close out the uh, the weekend in Mexico on Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m. against Long Beach State. So, look, you play Utah Valley first game. First game jitters are a thing. We'll see how this team comes out of the gate. The highlight, not only this weekend, but honestly, like the highlight of the entire non-conference schedule as you look at it are probably the second and third games of this weekend or of this week. Top 10 Duke team, top 10 Washington team, that's probably the two highest teams that you're going to play this offseason. I would say that there's a really, really good chance those are the two highest-ranked teams you play in the non-conference, excuse me, and two of the highest-ranked teams that you're going to play all year long. We know about Washington, the pedigree of that program. We know about Duke recently. Those are two teams that you could absolutely see again in Oklahoma City at the end of the year. Really good program. So you've got that 53-game win streak uh, record in the sport coming into the season, and it's going to be tested right away. Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m., that's a big game. And then, of course, Friday night at 8.30 against Washington, a pair of really big softball games. Right out of the shoot for OU, and I, I think that's great. I think that's great for the sport. I like when other sports, the first weekend, it's like, hey, the games are here. Bam, here's some big-time games. And that's what's going on with OU. Now, it's not going to be broadcasted everywhere on ESPN. Like you, I wish it was. Heck, I wish it was uh, the ABC national broadcast. But I do like that you're seeing these teams across the country come right into the season in a big tournament against some big teams. And that's what you got with OU and Duke and uh, OU and Washington, two of the four games coming up this weekend. In terms of what I'm looking for and what things that I'm most interested in, um, shortstop, right? Who sh- who starts at short the first game? And does that, whoever that is, do they start multiple games or all the games throughout the weekend? Like Patty has said, and we trust what Patty says, um, that it's going to be multiple players who play that spot. 
I'm going to guess that that's probably going to be the case. You see at least two starters throughout the week at shortstop. Could be wrong about that. Maybe something's happened here recently uh, throughout practices leading up to the opening game, and they say, okay, we've identified our shortstop for now. We're going to try this for now and see how it works. But I'm still going to guess, like she said just a couple of weeks ago, that you're probably going to see multiple starters at that position. So just shortstop, who starts the first game there, what the whole week looks like, and if that gives us a better indication of what their best option is at that position as we move forward into the season. Uh, Kelly Maxwell in OU uniform is something that I'm very, very interested in. It took some getting used to throughout fall ball. It was something that was nice to try to get used to throughout fall ball. But seeing Kelly Maxwell in an OU uniform in a real regular season game that counts and what she looks like in the circle, you know, because I think that, you know, does this team have an overall dominant ace? That normally happens at the most important time of the year. You're going to see a lot of different pitchers throughout the year. But do I think Kelly Maxwell has the opportunity to be this team's ace when it matters most? Yeah, of course I do. I, I think Kelly Maxwell and Nicole May are probably your best two options there. Both of them were, what, preseason All-Big 12. I think Kelly preseason All-American as well. She's got game. We know it. Incredibly experienced. I'm interested to see what she looks like in an OU uniform and how she goes out because I'm going to guess she probably gets the ball for the Duke or the Washington game. And I don't know which one, but I'm going to guess that against Duke or Washington – you're probably going to see a combination of Kelly Maxwell and Nicole May in the circle for those two games. And, of course, you'll see the entire rotation, uh, at least most of the rotation throughout this week with, what, four games in three days. But Kelly Maxwell is going to be a big part of this team, and we knew that that was going to be the case uh, when, she, uh, when she came via the transfer portal. And then, of course, the newcomers would be my third thing that I'm most interested in seeing. You know, I, we know about Riley Boone and, and Sid Sanders and, and Kinsey Hansen and, and Kirsten Deal and all, all, all of the notable names that you already know with uh, Tiare and uh, Jada and, and Alyssa Brito as well. But I want to see, you know, d- does Maya Bland get a chance? Cassidy Pickering, Ella Parker, you know, some of these newcomers that we saw throughout the fall who I thought performed really well what do they look like with their first real opportunity to impress in a game setting? Again, and I'll bring it back to it, against teams that are really good like Duke and Washington. That will go a long way for some of these newcomers to really assert themselves in the lineup. We see it every single year. You know, We, we have our preseason starting nine that we think is pretty solid, and someone outperforms someone throughout the year, ends up winning a starting job, ends up maybe even being a household name at the end of the year with as much talent as Patty brings in, that's, that's absolutely going to happen uh, from time to time. But, dang, I'm just excited to get things started this weekend. Coaches poll, OU number one, no shocker there, goes back to being the unanimous number one team to start the year. A nation leading six All-Americans to start the season as well. Just insane that the talent level that this team, that this team is bringing into a year, and you know, I just a just a random thought as we're in game week here. I feel like I'm going to be watching more SEC softball than I have previously. I, I don't know about the rest of you, but 
I'll be seeing what LSU is doing and Alabama's doing and Georgia, who's got to have a going to have a chance to have a really good team. Tennessee, who can challenge OU for a national championship. That that's coming a lot faster than we realize. I mean, it's happening in a year's time. We're really going to be talking a lot about it. But paying attention to some of these other SEC teams, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll absolutely be paying attention a lot more as to what's going on in the uh, in the Southeastern Conference. Do want to give a quick shout out to uh, Sooner Shy. She she's awesome, supporter of the podcast. Uh, she said last week, I have to admit, pregnancy brain has gotten me a little. Saw the release of a new Diamond Envy podcast when it dropped, but I was working. Just now, remember to listen. Uh, Tyler always gets me fired up for Sooner softball. Make sure y'all give it a listen. Now I'm pretty sure Shy is about to have uh, a baby, a little one. So congratulations to Shy, welcoming in a a new life into the world. I feel like it's happening here soon as as the start of softball is is starting. So there you go, Shy. Sooner softball you got a little one coming along the way as well. A lot going on in your life, but just wanted to show a shout out uh, for all the support that Sooner Shy gives. All right, short, sweet, to the point. You know how we do it here on the Diamond Envy Podcast. As always, we appreciate the support, the shares online, everything else that you guys have been doing now for over two years. Wow, it doesn't seem like it's been over two years, but here we go into another season of Sooner Softball. We will talk to you later this week right here on the Diamond Envy Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler McComas.